Hey, Dawn Patrol, Dust Patrol, JP here. Welcome everybody, and uh, wow, another week. And here we are again together. Um, another week, shelter in place. A lot of craziness going around, um, around us all. I don't think any of us have ever experienced anything like this. But uh, man, sure I'm glad that we're using technology at its fullest to connect us all and stay connected, um, especially during this time. So just wanna take a minute to welcome everyone here and to uh you know hey if you're if, you, if you're if your wives are joining in your family your spouses siblings whatever i'm uh, just glad that everybody's here and, and tuning in and uh we can at least be together virtually hey uh announcements not a lot of announcements today we don't have a lot going here but number one is connection stay connected through our our this channel here our youtube channel uh, Instagram and uh, emailing, text me messaging each other. Make sure you guys take a minute to just stop and uh, text text another brother and, and say hello and, and send some encouragement and, and just stay connected. I think it's super important during this time. While we can't physically be connected, um, let's make sure that we're spiritually connected with each other and um, you know just doing some life together. Other than that, green cups, green cups. We got a uh, our green cups. Let's pass that around for those of you the regulars know that this is a way that we can support our ministry we don't we can give online we obviously can't fill the green cup you know you could try here throw a dollar in there oh i got it you can't uh you can't do it that way but you can go online and um donate that way just to the general fund we don't have a men's ministry fund set up but uh please just just do what you can to the general fund and that would be greatly appreciated all right, and next, hey, as Mark's preparing to uh, give us a, a word, give us a message, uh, let's grab your Bibles, grab your notebook, let's lean in and open our hearts, open our minds, and just pray that that uh, for the message that we're about to hear, that that we're gonna that, that God will move something in our hearts and uh, get us uh, just a little closer to Him, and that uh, you know that's what it's really all about, right? That's why we're doing this, right, guys? So. Have a great day. Great seeing you guys all, and let's go. Thank you, JP, for the great welcome. As you know, if you've been around Three Crosses for any amount of time, we are about making disciples. So with that, let me just spend about 10 seconds here and help my man, JP, do a better job next time. JP, the one announcement you're going to bring is that get connected. You're talking to an audience that is as connected as you can get, bro. Come on. I'm just... Busting your chops. Come on, bro. Great job. What other kind of announcement would you have made? We don't know when the church is going to open. We don't know the next time we're going to gather live as men. We don't know about the next men's retreat. We don't know nothing except for we got today. It's a gift. And we are together back in the global headquarters of the Tribal Way, which is a discipleship making ministry my wife and I started two years ago. Was up and we're glad you're here. Now today, it's kind of a sad day because we should be getting ready for men's retreat. This Friday was supposed to be the start of men's retreat with our speaker, Nick Hart. I thought I'd be with the Sons of Thunder with tri-tip on a stick with grease coming down my elbow. Very sad. So with that, I start, we have a new segment. Memories with Marky Mark. As you heard last week, May 31st to be my last week with uh, Three Crosses as a pastor on staff, not my last week with you fellas or on the planet or who knows what God's got 
I'm in this thing for the long run, and the good book tells me we're going to know each other for what is referred to as an eternity. So fret not. But in these last few weeks, I'm going to be sharing just a few more memories each week, just a few. And because it's men's retreat weekend that we're not going to be able to be together, thought I'd share a few men's retreat moments before we get into the word together. Now, me and Doug Foxworthy were driving back from our traditional men's retreat at Hume Lake that Three Crosses went to for, I think, 20 years, maybe 30 years. And uh, I had gone twice. I'm a big Hume Lake fan. I sent both my kids through the discipleship program there, the Joshua Institute. I've been there many, 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 many times. Great ministry, great legacy. But for us, me and Doug coming back through Fresno on a five-hour drive, when we got no real connection with other than the seven guys we were in a cabin with and that we intersected at a lake or in a boat or at a meal, we knew that God was going to do something with our men's ministry and because it was just starting. There was just 12 of us in the room at Dawn Patrol. Doug was one of them. And uh, we stopped at a fruit stand and uh, we both said, we're not going back. Let's do our own men's retreat. Let's see what we could do. And so over the next four months, five months, I, I, I reflected on a, one of my favorite camps as a speaker was Redwood Alliance because of how it's humble it is and how gracious they are. And I wanted to be at a place where the whole camp was three crosses. Everybody you bumped into was us. We had the microphone the whole time. We can interview guys. We can meet guys and just be us. And so I drove up with, I think it was Promode, who's an elder on our board now, Met him at, at uh, Kaleo, the ministry we were helping Tyler Scott with, and I, I believe um, Dave Breslow and uh, Wright, uh, uh, what's his name, with fuzz in his ears, Rob, uh, Rob Wright. I always say Rob White. Rob Wright, who was a faithful Dawn Patrol, faithful man, and his family had been going to the Hume Lake Men's Retreat for 20 years, and I told him. I want you to come and I want your approval. If you four guys don't say this is going to be a great idea, we're not going to do it because I value legacy. Sure enough, we all said, let's give it a go. And we did the guns across the street. Remember where we blew that guy's house up? We didn't really blow it up, but he had no idea that I would really bring 200 guys with that many guns. And uh, that was fun. And then the following year, we rented the 700 acres, no, 400 acres and brought 700 guns because we had to have the guns. Remember, Hume Lake was a big deal. They went up into the trees and shot into the trees. And uh, boy, did we have fun. That's where we met Beto. And the thing really kicked into high gear. And and I'll never forget the night that Beto came to the Lord. Never, ever forget it. I'll, I'll, so many great memories around that gun range. And Malcolm with his wife's Corvette, with the 50 caliber going across the top of it, he wouldn't move the Corvette. Not that he had to, because we were all very good shots. <laughs> was so wild and then we called her and them restoring their marriage I don't know if you guys know this but we gave them a cabin for a weekend up on that same site a year later just to so she could start to experience what he did and the family came together and remember all the phone calls to the wives we used to do and the trophies of nothingness the sons of thunder the ACDC knockoff song with the bagpipe guy coming in from the back come on with these memories and Tony Banks and really getting to know him and his neighbor, Jeff Israel, still goes with us every year, even when Tony can't. 
unbelievable. And Tony being really awakened to the, the sovereignty of God and the ministry of God that first year he was with us. Last year, FaceTiming us from the Warriors playoff run with walking out Draymond Green from the restaurant live. All these great memories. Praying for Austin Foxworthy and Landon in, in memory and tribute to their father, Doug, which was partly why we had the men's retreat two years ago. Honoring those guys, maybe three years ago. So many, I wrote so many down. Uh, the baptisms, come on every year. Rep rep representing great decisions. We snuck a guy into the baptism pool. Dave All's buddy grew up with him. He had to leave Saturday night. We went up there about two, midnight, one in the morning, slipped over the cover, baptized this brother in his tidy whities He's now at Dust Patrol. He showed up. He's working in Hayward High, working with special ed students. Justin Redimer knows him. Man, the memories of men's retreat. Uh, Sons of Thunder, 14 years, maybe 12, maybe 13 years, long time. Great, great, great group of men. The barbecue? You guys thought I was kidding. We met Raul at the barbecue. Raul, great man of God. Put his trust back in God. Got baptized. Ended up marrying one of our girls from Soma. Great father, great leader. All these great, the basketball tournaments. And let's not forget the horseshoes. That's always fun. Regardless, so many great men's retreat memories and you guys being with me when I received the news that my dad died. Wow. That place is sacred. Our speakers, all of them, Ron Ritchie, Brian Berry, Dale Hummel, Hugh Halter, this year's Nick Hart, you would have just loved them. Unbelievable. Did I miss a speaker? I don't know if I missed a speaker. Maybe I did. I hope I didn't. Because some of those guys spoke twice. Anyhow, rejoice because next year's men's retreat, unless we have COVID-21, we should be having a good time. We don't know what that looks like, but one thing's for sure, if we're all walking the earth and the country's not shut down, we'll be gathering, celebrating who God is, making some great decisions, worshiping the King of Kings together, and just growing together as his kids. There's nothing better. I don't think there's anything better than men's retreat. Well, a couple things, but it's pretty dang fantastic. With that memory, let's pray. We're gonna hear from our dear brother, Randy, and he's gonna pop open our study of 1 Corinthians 9 for the men who have the intent, the desire, and then learning the, the focus. The intent, the focus, and then the desire to learn tools to become fishers of men. We're using 1 Corinthians 9 as our major template. Next week, we'll wrap up 1 Corinthians 9 and then on to the next section of text. But right now, we're gonna pray. Get your Bibles out, 1 Corinthians 9. And we're gonna hear from Randy and his thoughts after we pray. Lord, thank you for these men. Thank you for this opportunity, whether we're on the podcast, the YouTube channel, Church Live platform, a Dust Patrol or Dawn Patrol, we thank you. And we trust that you're going to speak to us and challenge us and teach us how to become better fishers of men. It's our desire, Lord. It's our desire because it's your desire. And we want to align ourselves and our wills with your will. And thanks again for all the brothers that couldn't be here. And thanks again for the legacy of all the greatness that came through all the men's retreats. 
and look forward to the tens, dozens more that are on the horizon that we have no idea what they even look like, but you do. We thank you in advance for what you're going to do with those. Hope we can be involved in them, Lord. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen. And now, a little word from our brother, Rando. Hey, fellas, Randy Carter here from Dust Patrol, Dawn Patrol, YouTube, social media, whatever. Three Crosses, Men's Ministry. Hey, welcome. I just wanted to share a little bit today. I was reading in 1 Corinthians 9, and, you know, Paul was certainly someone who imitated Christ. And when I look at someone who did a great job of doing that, and I just, uh, a couple of verses that kind of stood out me that I'm not nowhere even close, really. But uh, verse 12, it says, he would rather put up with anything than to be an obstacle to the good news about Christ. Um, and then later on in verse 19, he says, I become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. You know, both those verses right there, I fall short on, but that's still not the one that kind of just caught my eye and just made me start thinking through this time of uh, uncertainties and this this virus as it kind of keeps going on and on and on. And, uh, and that's on further down in uh, chapter 9, right around verse 24, it says, Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it for an internal prize. So I run with a purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. That was for you, Duran. I discipline my body like an athlete training in it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Here's the Apostle Paul saying, otherwise, I fear, there's a fear that after preaching to others, I myself might just be disqualified. You know, right now, um, it's been probably a few months, I think. I can't even remember the last time we met as a group, as a community at Dawn Patrol Dust Patrol. Uh, things just kind of start running together. And uh, as I mentioned before, and maybe a, an announcement or just seeing a few of you guys, is the fact that um, I probably couldn't be busier right now. Uh, my work is an essential work, and obviously we don't have a roadmap or anything like that to say, hey, here's how you handle these kind of situations. So you kind of go in the morning and you try to figure it out. And at least for me, it's just, uh, it's mentally draining, um, just going into the office and uh, just don't know what you're going to get uh, thrown at you. So um, right now and through this season, um, I know, and a question that kind of just gripples me as I look at 1 Corinthians 9 is, you know, am I running with a purpose? You know, when we were uh, meeting together and uh, Duran, myself, uh, Justin, Steve Cavallaro, Marky Mark, um, you know, we're, we're preparing a message. And I know at least for me, um, that was a lot of discipline because it made me really get so sucked into the word uh, that I could almost get lost in it, just spending hours and hours just studying and studying. Uh, and it's a good thing. And I look at this right here, uh, this athlete being disciplined. And I just, I think back about uh, my boys, my oldest Chase, he's um, um, private security and, you know, he goes to the range and, and shoots so many times a day or spars with partners, uh, you know, a discipline, getting training. And then my youngest, Cody, uh, in high school and, you know, he plays football. Well, you don't just show up on Friday night and play football. You know, every day you're in the locker room and you're or the weight room rather and you're lifting weights or you're practicing uh, nonstop. You're getting discipline, you're training. 
Um, and being in the Navy, I know what that was like because we would go through general quarters or man overboard drills, and it was just repetition, training, training, training. So when the event came, you knew how to react. And I know for me through um, just preparing for messages and getting together as a group, whether it's a small group or getting together again as a community like a Dust Patrol or Dawn Patrol, that really helped me to stay disciplined. And so right now, you know, as I look at things and, and something I'm struggling with is just simply, you know, having the time to stay in the word and really being disciplined about it. You know, it's one thing to read a Bible every day and, and certainly be praying every day, but it's another thing just to get so absorbed into it. And right now, again, with the virus, I think it's really kind of, uh, you know, just to be vulnerable and just be honest, it's kind of just got me off my rocker. I just got so much going on uh, personal life, uh, with, with things my wife and I are dealing with, um, a family member who is sick and just, you know, just trying to be there for them. And how do you do that? Because you don't want to get them sick. Um, and you have the distance between us, uh, that separates us. And, um, you know, many of you know what exactly what I'm talking about or going through the same thing. Maybe you're lost a job or, uh, there's something else going on, but, um, you know, running with a purpose, you know, right now, even with the coronavirus, even with everything that's going on, I just want to run with a purpose. You know, I don't want to have this fear that, um, you know, I'm not there for somebody. And um, I just, I, I want to make sure it's with a purpose and I'm, I want to win in the end. And really the winning in the end is really what Paul talks about kind of early on with uh, the good news about Christ and, and being a slave. And, uh, you know, certainly something I'm, I'm falling short on right now, again, just trying to go through uh, the obstacle course and feeling like, you know, I'm kind of the first day of being at boot camp as a recruit versus someone who's been going through the obstacle course kind of over and over and over. So uh, one thing you guys can be praying uh, with me about and uh, just hope this right here encourages you and uh, something that you can uh, lean into as well. Love you guys. Can't wait to see you guys again. Take care. Well, isn't that great to hear from Randy? Thank you, Randy. Uh, great two extractions. I love your humility. None of us have it figured out. We're all growing. We're all learning. But you said two things. Purpose. I think one of the saddest things is a man without purpose. I think some of the hardest seasons of my life is when I lost focus of my purpose. Why I'm walking the earth. I think to know your why as a man uh, is so freeing, is so life-giving, is so clarifying and makes the battle of life. I love that Paul reminds us that the whole thing's a battle. The whole thing's a fight. The whole thing's a race. The whole thing's a struggle. But boy, when you have your purpose resolved, your why I'm walking the earth resolved, everything gets a little clearer. Decisions become a little easier. Distractions become a little less. Temptations become not as powerful. And so I love the fact that Paul does know his purpose. And I love the fact, Randy, that that challenged you. And if we're honest, uh, purpose is easy to get away from us because everything calls and everything pulls from us. Everything drags from us. Everything needs something from us. And, and I think a wrong way to handle the responsibilities of manhood is to uh, try to get, and, uh, get your hand around this thing called balance. I can't find a, a balance in scripture. I just, I think it's a carrot that's so elusive and the, the tipping point of balance is too small. You just can't, it's just too small. I think in handle everything that comes our way through the lens of purpose, 
brings balance. But balance isn't the primary objective, purpose. And our purpose is to make disciples, fish for men. Remember Matthew 28, 16 through 20, another one of my life verses, go along the way, everything you do, everywhere you go, make disciples, win them. As Justin said, win them, win them. Now, if you're like me, winning somebody is frightening. It's frightening for me. I have had the privilege to walk with men and women. I don't know, man, a lot of times as they uh, give their lives to the Lord, as they surrender to the Lord, as they invite the creator of the universe and his Holy Spirit into their hearts. Amazing. I've noticed, I got lost just thinking about the faces. Win them. I've noticed that if my focus is on winning somebody, I'm not effective. But when my focus is on awakening somebody, which in my estimation and my uh, view, it's my opinion, you might have a different opinion, winning somebody is awakening them to who God is, the fact that you can live with God, never be alone, rely on his Holy Spirit guiding you, empowering you, comforting you, leading you, guiding you, strengthening you, teaching you, all these things are right here. It's an awakening. It's like being awakened to the fact that my shed has termites. I didn't know it until a professional came in here and told me. That's why it's so dusty around here. It's termite dust. Oh, thank you for awakening me to something that's always been there. It's an easier thing to get my head. I want to awaken people to the good news. Remember when AJ, I think it was last year, the picture is on our website, led those five brothers to faith Saturday night during our altar call, might've been seven of them, and put everybody on the spot. And they all raised their hands. They came up to uh, accept the Lord. And what a great time, great men, great picture. Might've been the year before, I think it was last year, but it might've been the year before. But I know the picture's on the website because every I put it on there because it brings me so much delight. And everything got a little weird. Hey, AJ, you went him to the Lord. Or it might have been JP. I forget because we were all up there in the photo. And it was a process of the sinner's prayer and of leading them to the Lord, even though their hearts were already decided. The prayer cements it in their minds. The prayer gives us reason to celebrate. The prayer is not a magic key that unlocks God, that they're serious. When they rose their hand, when they said yes to God in their souls, it was a done deal. The rest is the rest. They were awakened sitting in the chapel and most likely because of a series of God moments that led them to that moment where they had the courage to say, I quit. You win, God. That's awakening people. The winning, they didn't get one to Christ on the stage with a mic in front of their hand. They got one the moment they said, yes, they were awakened. And that's easier for me. The center prayer works. It's right. It's godly. People have come to faith through it. And people have come to faith without it. Do your math. Look in the gospels. Do Look it up. 
And so it's not that the sinner's prayer is not accurate. And it's not that the word winning is not accurate, but for me and my being, and I'm trying to be an effective evangelist and discipler, the word awakening somebody is just easier for me to swallow. It's easier for me to go about my day awakening everybody I meet to the fact that God is here, present, and really serious about knowing them and really serious about doing life with them. And that really serious is the gospel. That he's loved us so much that he gave his son as a sacrifice to be brutally murdered and hung on a tree so that we can know God. He's really serious about it. And that to me is a really palatable way to share the good news. God is here. He's not against you, he's for you. He sees it all. He's a great allower and he's serious about doing life with you. Really serious, more serious than religion, more serious, he's all in on the deal. And that tends to be pretty effective for me. So know your purpose. And then, big, bad, scary word, Randy, you popped it right out, because Paul popped it right out. Discipline. Discipline. Now, some of you are militant about discipline. Some of you are naturally disciplined people. Steve Cavallaro is naturally disciplined. Tim Young, military background, naturally disciplined. Tony Banks, naturally disciplined. It's why you can do so well in chaotic situations that involve a lot of training because you listen to your trainers and you're disciplined in the homework and in the practice and you excel and you perform because you've been trained, because you're disciplined. The word discipline means control gained by enforcing obedience. That's what the word discipline means. Control gained by enforcing obedience. All these words scare me. Control. Gained. I love gain. Enforcing. Teacher. Principal. Third grade. Slapping. Obedience is a beautiful word, but it's like, wow, my will loses. Somebody else's will wins. You know, it's a word that is hard to get around. And I love this. This is the third definition of it. This is the biblical definition of it. Exercising self-control. Now, we looked at five principles from 1 Corinthians 19 through 27 that the Apostle Paul breaks down as his template and his philosophy for being so effective as an evangelist and a discipler. And we looked at those five things last week. We'll just blurt them out again. My friend Kyle will probably throw them right up there. Always start by finding common ground with folks. Avoid projecting to others all you know or how you view uh, how your views are the correct views. Accept everyone regardless of their issues. Those are the three we're going to look at today. The other two we're going to look at next week, still from 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And so the first one, always find common ground is huge. It's huge. It's an art form. It comes natural to some folks and not natural to most folks. Always find common ground. And it's um, a, it's it's vulnerable. It's intimate. It's um, humble. It's uh, curious. It's safe. When somebody comes to any interaction with another human being with the goal of finding common ground, it's beautiful. Now, two and three are like little disturbers in the first one. The common ground is 
once the desire is there to find common ground, then there's realities in when you find common ground. Okay, because people are difficult. What work with me? Uh, all hands raised if people are difficult. Of course, not you, my brother. You're not difficult. It's everybody else that's difficult. I know. Two hands up for you. Everybody's hard to deal with, especially when you're locked up with them in forever, huh? Isn't that wonderful? Newsflash just came across my phone. We're going to stay in shelter in place through 2023 with the same people in your house right now. Whoop, 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 whoop. I'm just messing around, but wouldn't that be something? Ladies, if you're leaning in, your man is rejoicing. He would love to be locked up with you seven days a week, 24 hours a day for the next four years with no relief because you're a blessing woman. You're a blessing. We know this. Now, enough of that. Huge to find common ground with someone. Now, I had a great conversation with my discipleship group, the Zoom group, micro discipleship group that meets after the Dust Patrol. And uh, we talked about a few scenarios where it's just not natural normally to find common ground. Uh, and it's a perspective. It's a uh, self-control. It's a discipline to meet somebody. Now we're talking about meeting somebody or taking a superficial relationship to the next level, which makes it a whole lot easier to make disciples. And back on the winning, back on the awakening, it's a whole lot easier to focus on loving somebody than winning them. Loving somebody than awaken them. Because when we look around culture as there's a guy I can disciple, there's a gal I can disciple, there's somebody I can win, there's somebody I can awaken, I think we're missing it. I think it's 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 not the right perspective. When we can look around the world and the interactions we have with people, is there somebody else I get to love? That permeates, that overflow is discipleship, is awakening, is winning. The overflow of loving somebody and especially when those somebody will get there, are unlovable. And so our driving perspective and our driving purpose and our driving discipline is learning how to love. So this always finding common ground is a loving act. It's not a selfish act. It's where were you born? Where were you raised? What school did you go to? What do you do? Why did you try? Why did you uh, choose that career? What's interesting about that career? How long have you been married? How many kids do you have? What's their names? What are they into? Where neighborhood do you live in? What high? What neighborhood did you live in when you went to high school? Now you'll never ever get that far down the list because when you seek to find common ground, it's normally one, maybe two to three questions. In give you a great example. Last week, I'm in the barbershop. Guy emails me. I sell surfboards for my son's barbershop. It's got a surf shop, barbershop. It's kind of a hybrid situation. It's fantastic. Hey, you guys do a curbside delivery on surfboards? Absolutely, because we're broke and we're closed and we never know when we're going to open up again. And all the big corporations that are on public trading platforms took the small business money. So we have no money. So And we have no work and we have no haircut people. So yes, we can, we can deliver you a surfboard. Wear your stinking mask. Get your hazmat suit out of your trunk, put your gloves on, and I'll walk the board out to you. Now, his name's Ben. Nice guy. I say, Ben, how did you find us? Oh, I live down the street. But I really, I rented a house down the street because my wife's folks live in Aptos, and I really live in San Francisco. Oh, second question. What do you do in San Francisco? Actually, 
first, second question, where do you live in San Francisco? Because I know San Francisco so well, there's a connection. Oh, my son worked three blocks from where you live at People's Barbershop. Oh, I know People's Barbershop. Boom, he's in the shop, three minutes, masks, blah, blah, and we already are tracking. Oh, what chair did he have? Okay, what do you do in San Francisco? Into it. QuickBooks, on, I do QuickBooks. I've been using QuickBooks since year one, 1989. What? Nobody has ever used QuickBooks that far. I have. And so now we're clicking on neighborhoods. We're clicking on Intuit QuickBooks. He's a software engineer for QuickBooks. Three questions, three minutes. I'm not saying, ooh, Mark, good job. I'm saying it's something that I've always done naturally because I think I went to nine schools by ninth grade because I had to learn how to meet people quickly to survive. And I had to learn how to have uh, common ground with people because of the environment I was raised in in Oakland. I wanted to find common ground with people. I didn't want, and God uses all that. So I'm just telling you guys, what Paul says is find common ground. I become all things to all men. I try to gain influence with people by learning about what they're into, who they are. I was doing yoga with my wife. We always do yoga, especially when we're all locked down and we're all doing a thing. And this has been one of the joys of COVID is my wife and I got a little app and we got their iPad out and we do a little yoga and stretching in the morning. We pray together and do our Bible. It's been fantastic. I'm not kidding you. It's been fantastico. Well, one of the little instructors says, uh, okay, and she, you know, always it's a little, it's a little, sometimes your third eye, eh. you know, it's a little, a little Buddhist, eh, sometimes. Uh, sometimes it's a little too much Pilates for me and I start sweating and I'm not into it. But she says, Shanti, Shanti. And she repeat after me, Shanti, Shanti. And I'm going, no, I'm not repeating after you, woman. First year on my iPad, my app, I bought the app. I'm not repeating nothing. What's Shanti, Shanti? I might be talking to the devil. I don't know. And she says, Shanti is a word we use in yoga for peace. It's the word peace, peace. Shalom, shalom. Salam, salam in Arabic. Mahalo in Hawaiian. I love Shanti, Shanti. So, I now have another, I can't wait till I talk to another Buddhist friend. Shanti, Shanti, what's up? I want to connect. I want to find common ground. I won't cross the line. I become a Jew to win the Jews, though I'm not under the law as a Jew. I'm not going to become Buddhist, but I want to know what a Buddhist guy's thinking and what kind of words they're using so that I can relate to them at a deep level and maybe awaken them to the fact that the word shalom has been around longer than shanti shanti. And so the Buddhist folks ganked the word, which I love, and I'm not mad at him for it. That's just two quick examples over how to always find common ground. Last but not least, avoid projecting to others all we know or how our views are the correct views. My friends, this is a challenge. This is where self-control comes in, especially when somebody says something that offends our intellect, our, our, our relationship with the Lord, our Judeo-Christian values, our political stances. Avoid projecting to others all we know or how our views are the correct views. That's self-control. That's discipline. That's, well, why do you feel that way? What makes you think that? Where did you learn that? Where did you come up and understand that to be? Because I think the longer we start to, through the lens of love and not trying to make a disciple, 
uh, hold our tongue on our views, we become safer and they'll always ask our views. Oh, what did you use QuickBooks for, says Ben. I says, I was a landscape designer builder for like 30 years in the East Bay. Piedmont, Berkeley, Castro Valley, Oakland Hills, San Leandro, Danville. What? Yeah. Why don't you do landscaping now? Well, because I sold my business to become a pastor. Oh, a what? See? Always hold the opposing views. Why did I, Ben didn't have any, oh, Ben started to get political. Ben wanted to get all, all uh, uh, damn Republican on me. Old Ben from San Francisco wanted to go nuclear on the election. I wouldn't bite, so he starts asking me questions. What? Huh? Huh? And so avoid projecting to others all we know or how our views are the correct views. But in a healthy relationship, when we're loving somebody, especially when we're trying to awaken them to who God is, they'll always ask our views. We become safe, not hostile, not evangelists on our favorite news channel or the quote of the week or our sports team or why the trade was, was a joke. All that stuff that we get wound up over. And that's number three, stay away from dividing lines. Oh, A, to that, avoid projecting on others all we know, you gotta stay away from the dividing lines. There are so many booby traps. The enemy has put so many booby traps of culture in our face. So many dividing lines. Now we have people barking at us for not wearing a mask, walking down the stinking street, 20 feet from everybody. Like another dividing line. Are you a mask wearer 24 seven or just in the businesses like the law says? Are you, a, a, like, how are you social distancing? That's dividing people up. Or now our age, you know, the younger people are seen in media eyes. When I pick up the media, I see that the whole younger generation doesn't care about old people and they're out doing spring break and partying. When I look around my son, he's locked in his house, who's not having nobody over, who's very careful because he has a lot of old people in his life that he loves and doesn't want to see. And all of his community and all the surf community that I know are being very, very careful and very serious with this COVID. But the news media, it's a dividing line. It's a, it's a, um, a trap, political trap, even sports, like more hostile. And we hate that fan group because of this fan group. And okay, it's like a dividing line, man. There are 10,000 things that you and I disagree about. There's like 20 that really matter that we are like this on. Let's find those. B, become a student, become a student to avoid projecting to others all we know, become a student. Why do you think, why are you voting for so-and-so? Tell me what's so exciting about it. Teach me. Te that's a great key. Teach me. I've said that a hundred times in the last three months. Teach me. Teach me why you think that. Teach me some things I must not know. Teach me your views about that. And watch the hostility just shrink. Number three, accept everybody regardless of their issues. That's tough. They're all tough, but accept everybody because as me and my discipleship group, 13 of us realized certain kind of people bug us, certain kind of people wreck our mojo, certain kind of people bring us out of our game, certain kind of people drive us up the wall, certain kind of people we don't get along with, certain kind of people know what bugs us and know how to hit that key. 
certain kind of people we just don't like. But we can love them. But we can love them. I don't get along with bullies. I can't stand bullies in the surf break. I can't stand them. I'm saying it. I have a really difficult time with them. I watched a guy at the hook, a little surf break, verbally abuse the sweetest man for 20 minutes, railed him for doing nothing, for not living in Santa Cruz, basically. I knew the man. I know him. Didn't die. I still know him. And a follower of the Lord, lovely man, three daughters, just the sweetest man ever. Sold him two surfboards, one of our clients at the barbershop. And the guy is a famous bully in the surf break. And I wanted to go Oakland on him. And I know Tony Banks might be watching and he policed the city of Oakland so he knows what I'm talking about. I wanted to go and catch his car on fire in the parking lot. Let's just go Oakland, just hit the nuclear button. Like when you're down there flapping your lips, bullying people, yeah, you're walking home. Just for a second, but how do I, how do I handle the bully? How do I handle the bully? And just as I'm sitting there thinking about old Mark, fleshly Mark, not viewing this guy, I know his name, I'm not gonna say it, as an opportunity, but as somebody that I just, I can't stand what you're doing right now. I watched a guy paddle over to him and say, oh, let's make his name up, Frank. Frank, we can't be friends now. I thought we could be friends. And he says, who are you? I've never seen you before. I know, but I thought when I saw you at first, we could be friends, but now I'm disappointed, man, because I really want to get to know you. And to watch Frank's face just got go, oh, you wanted to get to, to be my friend? Like just diffused the whole thing. Just took the power right out of the whole thing. Showed me how to handle a bully. I took the lesson because I want to know how to handle bullies. I have a hard, hard time with uh, Look at Paul's list. I became a Jew to the Jew. The Jews tried to kill Paul. I became pagans to the pagan. Paul, everything the pagan culture was about was not what Paul was about. And I became weak to the weak. I think I talked about this last week. Paul got in the face of John Mark for his weakness. He takes the hardest groups in my estimation of who he had to deal with. And so I become like those guys. I want to connect with those guys. I got to accept them for all of who they are, even the things that annoy me. There's a great scene in Mark 5, Luke 8. It's called The Bleeding Woman. Famous story. You've probably heard me speak on it before, Larry. I mean, it's just, it's a great story. A woman lives in actually... Church history says she was on the coast of the Mediterranean, up by Caesarea Maritime, where Paul was imprisoned. Actually walked, two-day walk from her hometown into Capernaum, that region, Lake Sea of Galilee, where she heard that this healing rabbi would be at. Walked there, and now as a bleeding woman who spent, the text says, all she had, 12 years she'd been bleeding, hemorrhaging from her lady parts. Today could probably be easily fixed from an easy surgery. But she was bleeding, which made her unclean, which means she couldn't stay in the house, which means she couldn't go to temple, which means she, her fathers and brothers had to stay away from her, which means she was removed from so, all of it. Trauma. 12 years. Walks and reaches through the crowd. And Luke's account says the crowds were so intense, they were actually crushing, crushing Jesus. Big mob scene. Big bunch of no social distancing whatsoever. 
And she reaches through and touches the hem of, of Jesus' garment, and instantly the healing power leaves him, and he, he recognizes, and he says, hold on, somebody just touched me. <gasps> Brought all the attention to her. And sure enough, she's healed. Sure enough, she's standing there. She's kind of like, well, I just touched you. I didn't know. I didn't mean to. And the next verse is very powerful. It says that Jesus sat with her and she told him all she had to tell. She loved. He loved her. He was empathetic to her. He connected with her. Tell me, Mrs. Annoying Person, can you imagine 12 years dealing with this deal, still a mess, traumatized, probably not one of the most social lovely people to be around. Jesus says, stop everything. On the, by the way, he's going to Jairus' house to heal a very famous, successful Jewish guy in the community. Stop that train so I can sit with this mess. That's the model. Stop your train and learn how to love people who are in the middle of a mess, the weak, the pagan, the Jewish, regardless of their issues, and learn how to find common ground. And let's not be in such a hurry to tell the people we meet all that we know and all that we think. No one is my enemy. Everyone is my opportunity to expand what I have to give regarding love. And the more love I give, the more I'm operating from the uh, center of love and the more love I'm receiving from my creator. And it's this different operating to love Frank in the surf break. I can't wait to go out and see him again. It's a challenge where I'm going to have to use self-control. Frank, it's not his name. Frank, how long have you been surfing here? Where'd you grow up? Why are you riding that board? Why do you hate people that don't live here? Like, I want to know. I'm curious so I can understand, so we can do life together, so that I can awaken you to a bigger picture. Life isn't about surfing. Life isn't about politics. Life isn't about industry, investment, news media outlets, liberal or Republican, black or white. Life is about making disciples, awakening people to who God is, so that we cannot be disqualified. Like the Apostle Paul ends the whole rant of 1 Corinthians 9, which we're going to get into next week. God bless you, brothers. Thanks for joining us. I love you very much. I'll see you next week. Peace.